For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 229 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And we're back again. Talk about uh, episode 6 of Mandalorian, The Prisoner. And as we have been doing these past few weeks, we got a special guest to help us discuss it. Uh, he is the host of my favorite video game podcast, the Hardcore Gaming 101 podcast he's also uh the game master for blue harvest adventures uh he's a member of the robbo report on the steel wars patreon and you can hear him all kinds of other places it's our buddy robbo hey everybody i'm so glad you're on it's been a while since i've been able to yeah too long really this is the first time i've been on a show where uh both of you guys were present Maybe it's possible. Like a it's main, possible. a main Blue Harvest, mainline right. Blue Harvest show. Maybe it is, and you know what? I think last week with Chris Fresh might have been the first time both of us were here for when he was a guest. Yeah, you, no, usually... not with Chris Fresh. It's uh, Steel. I've never Steel, and I've never been on. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what an honor. I feel like. Uh, feel like a true regular now quasi regular <laughs> so um before we jump into talking about the mandalorian robo i wanted to get your your thoughts on something um related to your other one of one of your other many interests that you podcast about video games um did you see the design for the new xbox that came out last night i know i'm gonna look at it right now actually i want to okay why I like it. I've seen some people memeing it and stuff already, saying they think it Calling looks... Calling it the sex box or yeah. the butt X. The thing is, is I think it's horribly named because the name of the new console is the Xbox Series X. And I'm a little worried <laughs> that they might be in Wii U territory because, you know, famously Wii U had trouble selling because to the general public, they didn't know, like... Oh, is this like an expansion for the Wii or, 
what you know like they had trouble differentiating like no this is a completely new console yeah i mean we already had the 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 xbox one which mm -hmm. is already in in weird territory um i don't think that like it's been a huge sales disappointment although it certainly isn't like winning that that race no but i don't think it has anything to do with the name exactly no i think it has more to do with the lack of big exclusives i mean it's like a it's like an elongated cube it's like a rectangular cube yeah it's it like looks like it looks yeah, go ahead. like two game cubes stacked on top of each other yeah, <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's a game rectangle mm -hmm. yeah um wow what a uh bold and ugly choice see well, i liked I mean, it that I... brings the whole new definition to the xbox like they were like let's make yeah. this one real boxy let's make sure it's like exactly the size and shape of a shoe box <laughs> yeah it, and like it they... holds a wine bottle there's but a they... <laughs> yeah. you can fit like a magnum of like uh spumante in there yeah um so the first thing I was like, oh, I like it. It's I because I like sort of minimalist uh, console designs. I don't know if either of you guys it looks like a future Alexa design is what it looks. It like. does. It does. It does look like you could add, be like, hey Xbox, uh, what's the Xbox, weather like tomorrow? What's the, what's the weather like? <laughs> um, did did they like their refresh of the Xbox One? Didn't they call it, that's the Xbox One X, right? It's like borderline right. palindrome title, and this is the Xbox Series X. Now, what I'm hoping for their sake is it's Series X because the rumors are there's going to be two different SKUs available. There's going to be your traditional like sort of powerhouse console that has a disk drive and stuff, and then there's going to be a cheaper version that's a little more powerful than the Xbox One X, and it's all digital with no disk drive. So I'm hmm. hoping those will just be two differently named consoles under the Series X umbrella, because otherwise, like, I think they might run into an issue where people are like, well, what do you mean Xbox Series X? Xbox One X? What's the difference, you know? Is this yeah. the X Series Pro or the X Series Lite? Right. I mean, I don't know. In my opinion, like one of the things that the real problem with the Wii U, I think, is that there it wasn't immediately obvious what it did differently. Right. Like it was really hard to like it had the extra screen, right? And and that was a cool idea. And as you see with the Switch, like you just need to figure out a way of of marketing that. And I don't think they ever really did because it was really with the Wii, it was like obvious. It's like, hey, you fling the thing at the thing and the thing does the thing on the screen. And it didn't matter what you was like, was hey, like. more fling in the thing. Yeah. And it's like now you've got like a rectangle thing that's in it. You know, it's like it's a two screen system, which which the switch isn't. And in that way, it's it's actually was pretty cool. Um, but I just don't think that the the gameplay possibilities were really made obvious by that. And that's why it didn't really take off. Yeah, and, but, and it, it's a shame because there's a lot of Wii U titles that I would have checked out, but no, you know the the console itself never never ended up grabbing me. And now so many of those titles are being ported over to the Switch that I don't even really feel the yeah, need to pick one up. There kind of isn't one. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm I'm uh, I'm not like a console partisan. I I pretty much am just uh, whatever Nintendo puts out, and then uh, gaming PC. Yeah. So. Like I think that if 
what Microsoft's trying to communicate here is just like visually, like this is a powerhouse of a system. It's like the real deal. This is like the most powerful thing you could possibly have and plug into your TV and play games on. Whether that's true or not, I think that's the image they want to project. And it probably is going to work out for them because that's what it looks like. It's like I, I something would not look like this if it weren't really powerful. Go ahead. I think it comes back to kind of the concept of the Xbox 360, which I thought was a ridiculous name, but a cool concept. The idea that all of your entertainment needs should revolve around this one machine, 360 degree. Like, it, it's r ridiculous to name the machine that, but I get where you're going. I think this machine, more so than any of them, may realize that dream more so than any of their consoles. Because the Xbox One took a step in that direction to where I had the connect, I had voice interaction, I had all these things. My cable ran through my Xbox, I played all my DVDs. Um, the one thing I didn't have was the ability to rip music to the hard drive like I used to on the Xbox 360. But, I, I mean, I, I know logistically why we can't do that these days now because of, you know, rights and streaming things and whatever. But, like you said, I think this thing looks like it's going to be the center of your gaming console, the center of your entertainment network. And I think, uh, I think it will more so than any other previous consoles. Um, one thing... So when I first saw it, like I've never been a, a vertical console guy when you have that yeah. option with a console. I always leave it on its side. I um, liked it with the 360. I felt like it fucked up more. Yeah, I felt like I it, it always put up vertically. So I left the, it on the, its The PS2 was like that too. Like it, yeah, like, it was. They sold a special stand so you could have it upright and they had the and the, you could switch yeah. the playstation logo to where it was yeah. like it was <laughs> rotating nice so that it was right side up no matter yeah um i um so when i initially saw it like i was like well i hope that thing lays on its side because if it just for one that's not going to fit into my entertainment system center mm. standing mm. up like that and it does it does sit that's vertical okay. or horizontal and the other thing i think this is clearly a move to make it seem more like a high-end gaming PC? That's the thing that gets my, that kind of, because from my standpoint, what this is for me as a, as a married man, this is another ugly box I'm going to put in front of the TV. Right. And it's like, why do you have this other ugly box in addition to the, the, the ugly boxes that are already there? This one being tall enough to probably obscure part of the television if I put it directly in front of it. Right. Because um, if you're if like if you mounted your TV correctly, it's going to be very close to wherever you're like your whatever credenza or entertainment system is. You're kind of like it's it shouldn't be too high. Like it should be at eye level when you're sitting down. Right. Unless I you watch TV have to buy up. another piece of Ikea furniture to house another system. Right. So if I'm going to get something that's that tall and in my way, why wouldn't I just buy a gaming PC? Like, yeah. you know, like a, a ready-made <coughs> one. Like the one I have now is one of those uh, small form factor things that was going to be the Steam box if that ever, like, took off, but it didn't. Uh -huh. So they, they, like, put out a couple, like, refreshes of that, and they're they're pretty boss. Like, they, the fan is loud as hell, but it, it still runs things very nicely. And it's really, but it's really small. It's smaller than an, an Xbox One. Oh, wow. So, um. If I were to get something this big, like I would just get like a, like much more powerful, you know, I, I would just get the the nastiest ass like, like 
gaming PC and just put it up there and be like, oh, well, <laughs> like if it's going to if it's going to be that big, like, why not just get something like that, which you can upgrade over time and things like that. And it'll play most of the same games. Um, so my gaming PC is like the size of a mini fridge. It's huge. <laughs> like I got a really good deal on an Alienware from Best Buy. And yeah. um, it's coming up on like about a year and a half since I got it. I didn't have a gaming PC for the longest time. And, uh, you know, missed out on a lot of cool stuff and finally decided to get one. And it had been so long since I had a gaming PC that I was shocked at how big this thing is. And it's it does all the goofy light up stuff. Oh, yeah. And that's the other thing about the Xbox Series X. When you turn it on, it glows green out of the vents. No. So they really are. It does really seem like they're targeting like a gaming PC feel. Yeah. With this. It, It might end up being a good call for them. I don't know. Like, I'm not really a marketing kind of guy. Like, you'd have to ask Steel. He's the guy who pretends like he knows how to market products, even though that's not what he does for a living um well i'll tell you this gaming pcs are not easy for some gamers especially like you know like like my the ones that come to mind are like my buddy goose goose i don't know i mean i'm sure goose knows plenty about computers but and there's an ease to throw in a disc in a in a console that's made for whatever you're doing and starting and going absolutely and that's always going to be the appeal to a console for me But now that I'm in a place where, you know, when I was a kid or when I was in college, I pretty much had to focus on either a gaming PC or a console, you know? Right. Now that I'm into the uh, position where I can squirrel squirrel away a little money and not have to worry about being like a hardcore Xbox or PlayStation guy and pick them up when I can and play, you know, their exclusives and stuff like I like to have the option. Is it guess mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But like, I th- I think it's luxury. I like the idea of PC gaming seems luxurious to me. It does, and the I'll say extra this: extra graphics, great chairs, extra controls, and um, really for guys that are capable and able of maintaining and upkeeping and troubleshooting PC stuff. That's where the headache for me comes in. Is like messing with game settings and and all that. Like I love the options, but just you know, like I got. Um, Hell, I can't even remember what game it was off of Steam, and it just wouldn't launch on my computer. And then, so you got to go to the Steam forums, and there's threads on what you got to do. And, like, you know, that's it's a lot different than just going and picking up the new Halo and popping it in my Xbox and playing it. Yeah. Although I would say, like, it, I think that's kind of it's still pretty rare for me, at least. I mm-hmm. play a lot of games on my PC, and I don't have that problem my issue is that i always try to do something stupid it's like i'm gonna mod this game i'm gonna like <laughs> like, <laughs> like i fell down this rabbit hole it's like i got you know fallout new vegas which is a game i missed because it came out while i was in school and i couldn't afford it or didn't have the time for it so i was like i'm gonna play new vegas i'm gonna get like let's see what kind of mods are out there and i found this like some like magnificent bastard out there just like put out this list like here's the ultimate like mod list and the or like loading order for each of the mods, like it it took me about a week of time, like just like using my free time to like load up all these mods and like find them and install them and do every like get everything set up. And the and the thing is like it looked beautiful, 
but it also was like buggy as hell. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was like almost unplayable. <laughs> yeah, but that's so, once again another one of the cool things about like they've kind of brought mods over to consoles in a very small fraction of the way they're available on PC. You know, Bethesda has a you know, a modding system where you can download mods and stuff for their games on console, but it's nowhere near as robust uh, as it is for PC. And yet, I mean, any game you get, you can tinker with and change to your heart's desire. And that is yeah. cool. Yeah, and it's also good, it, which is nice, especially for old games. Like if you want to play, say, like Knights of the Old Republic 1 or 2, like you could play that now and it doesn't look like a brand new game it, it, by any stretch of the imagination but you can make it look really cool and you can also like tweak it up so that it you know for instance if you like you're playing the game for the third time you don't want to start without a lightsaber you can just put it on a mod that's oh you start with a lightsaber <laughs> like, yeah or you know you can uh upgrade the textures you can with knights of the old republic 2 you can uh put missing content back into the game stuff that they ended right. up having to cut out for time it's really cool yeah, so that's that's the upside. But yeah, I get like it's it is, I think, a luxury in the end. Like, I mean, all gaming is a luxury in a sense. But in terms of the ex expense of it. Yeah, like I, it's it's kind of more of like it's kind of do you want the, the higher upfront cost of buying a gaming PC, knowing that you're going to be able to get most of your games for almost nothing, um, you know, if as long as you're willing to wait like about a year. Yeah. Or is it or is it like now I'll have a slightly lesser price now, but all the games I buy are going to be relatively close to full price. Um, you know, like it's kind of, you know, I'll tell you the really the one kicker. I probably would have a gaming PC, uh, but my friends like my. Oh, yeah. Social strata is on Xbox for the most part. Mm hmm. And yeah, that's, that's why a big deal. I'll always probably, you know, go with the new Xbox console first is because I would say 70 to 80% of my friends play on Xbox. And that just that goes all the way back to the 360 days when everybody had a 360. You know? Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's the interesting thing is like is it going to be a thing where it bounces back and forth between generations like Sony and Microsoft being the dominant like hardcore gaming console mm -hmm. or is it going to be a thing where like the 360 was a fluke because the ps3 was like a horrible thing to 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 make games for because it was so complicated and they didn't have like enough you know good exclusives and stuff like that i think they they lost that one themselves and it's not so much that i think that like microsoft makes inferior hardware perhaps the opposite they might make the best um in some cases I, I always think that their stuff is like it's a little bit um, I think the the design choices are a little bit odd sometimes, but they're definitely like not you're not getting like you're you know I feel like you're getting like the best the best you can get, you know. Yeah, and uh, maybe it's just my bias again, but the I think they had to learn that lesson the hard way with the red ring of death. Oh yeah, they scenarios. Did. Oh, yeah. They learned not to make cheap shit. Well, I think it was more rushing it out. They wanted to beat that too. I mean, Sony out to that generation by like a year, and yeah, that really bit them in the ass. And then on the other hand, what Rob was talking about with the PlayStation Three, 
I feel like that is still sort of biting them in their ass because it's really hard for them to offer full backwards compatibility because yeah. of the weird architecture of that system. And whereas Microsoft, they're already advertising four console generations of backwards compatibility with their next console. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think I think it's a, a really good value for them to be able to do that. And it just comes from like smart hardware design. And like, you know, from experienced <laughs> people who aren't uh, it's less ego that goes into it and more like teamwork, I guess. Yeah. The PS3 is kind of famous for being like certain people had way more control than they probably should have. And I don't really know who they are. I don't know their names. I just know that it was kind of like a, no, it's going to be like this type of situation. And it's like, no, that didn't work. Anyway, I don't know. Like, it's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> neither here nor there. Like, I don't, I was going to say, but no, I, I guess I got nothing. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of video games and to relate it to Star Wars, uh, this week, Jesse, Jesse and I are horrible gift givers for each other, meaning like we get gifts for each other and then neither one of us can end up waiting till Christmas. So I got my Christmas <laughs> gift early this week and she gave me an Oculus Quest for Christmas. Whoa, whoa, dude. Awesome. And let me tell you guys that Vader Immortal VR game uh, is straight up incredible. Oh wow! I that have cool not done a lot of VR gaming. I have the PS VR and I enjoy it, but it definitely felt like sort of an entry point VR system. The mm. Quest being completely wireless, like. Literally, I just had to download an app on my phone, and then I was ready to play. And within 15 or 20 minutes, I had the headset on, and I'm swinging a lightsaber around. Um, That's pretty cool. I got to say, like, it's the first time that I've played VR, and I tried it at Celebration, but getting the full experience at home is completely different. And it's the first time I've messed around with VR where I get the hype behind it. And if they can continue on this this path of you don't need a dedicated PC, you, you know, it's an all-in-one unit, yeah. I think that's the way to go. And I think they could find some success with it. And apparently that thing sold out everywhere. Like, Jesse got in under the wire to get one in time for Christmas. That's um, amazing. And then I guess they've also updated it recently with a, a feature called Oculus Link where you can hook the headset up to a computer and it basically becomes a full-fledged Oculus. And then you have access to the entire spread of um, VR games on like Steam VR and all that stuff. That is really cool. Like, I don't know about you, Will, but like for me, like the thing that keeps me from jumping in on the VR thing is that I just have a feeling I'm not going to commit myself to like the I've got to put on a helmet type gameplay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's already enough for me to just like boot up my computer and, you know, like get out the right remote. You know, the it's just I don't know. That's not a big barrier to entry there. But well, my kid doesn't really let me play you know, video games enough that he's not going to let me sit there with the helmet on and like swing around the controller in the living room. I'm, yeah. I'm a trip over him and kill him or something. You know, I, I'm, 
I'm also kind of terrified that, uh, like, I'm going to be playing a game. I'll be really into it. And my cat's going to do that thing where she, like, jumps right onto my shoulders. <laughs> and scares the crap out and, of you. And I will, but because I'm in the virtual world, right? I'll just have, like, a heart attack. <laughs> Dude. You know, uh, like, what if I'm playing a scary game and that happens? I just feel, like, claws sink into my oh, shoulders. Man. I might just, like, my mind just might break. I'm telling scary you. Scary VR games. I can't. I, I haven't even. Probably the most effective, I would imagine. Like, but I they'd probably be horrifying. They'd kill people. I I saw some, and I know I'm too jumpy to try those. Like, I can't even play. Like, there's this series called Outlast. Um, that's like a first person, uh, horror series on consoles and PC. Mm, um, yeah. And I can't play those. I get too anxious. Like, I tried to play that game Alien Isolation because I, I like the concept of it. I hear it's one of the best horror survival games of all time. It makes me it's too anxious. Game, yeah. and, like, I just get too anxious and jumpy to where, like, I'm literally, like, sweaty and, like, like uh, anxiety-ridden. So I can't even imagine playing that in VR. Yeah. I can't, I mean, that's the other thing too, is like, if I'm playing a scary game where I, if, if it's working and it tricks me in thinking I'm in it, like on some level, of course I know I would, I wouldn't, I'm not stupid. I, I know I'm playing a game, but if I, you know, if it's on some level, the, the illusion when, works because your right. brain is kind of being when the fear tricks are working. Right. Right. So I'm one of those people who like, if you, uh, a, like I can't go to like haunted houses or things like that because like, I am afraid I'm going to, like, hurt somebody. Uh, like, I go, like, not quite, like, full, like, Mandalorian reflexes here. But, like, I <laughs> I have just enough of that, like, like, like flip out and, like, you know, kind of, like, uh, knee-jerk response where it's, like, like, I grab somebody or, like, I, I had a... You know, I, I just it's not a good I just don't wake me up when I'm asleep or things like that, like that kind of thing, because if, if you hit me hard enough, like I just like it's a, a pure reflex <coughs> and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just afraid I'm going to like flip out and just like fling my arm to the side and just like throw one of those little wristband things and like break a mirror or something like that or a window. Yeah, I'm, I know I'm going to do it. I'm not I don't see myself doing any of the horror VR stuff because I just know myself but the experiences I've played like I'm playing one that's called uh, Raccoon Lagoon that's kind <laughs> of like uh, a Harvest Moon or a Stardew Valley type game that's a Hawes trap if I ever heard one. oh it oh right that's exactly what I was about to say. and it is so pleasant it's also the only one that's given me the slightest little bit of motion sickness like the first time I played it um but, you know, sort of acclimating myself to it and getting used to it is not an issue now. But it did at first. Like, I was like, ooh, this might be too much for me. Um, and I, I do want to give the Oculus a bit of props because I haven't gotten or tried a single game that I haven't been able to play in my wheelchair. And that is not the case with the PSVR. That's great. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, a lot of them have very um, detailed settings that you can go in and play around with and like, you know, you can change it to seated mode and things like that. And then you'll see some like that are obviously like um, 
like it's clear that I wouldn't be Zumba, able to play. VR. Yeah, something like VR that. VR yoga. <laughs> but even stuff <laughs> yeah. like Beat Saber, which is incredibly addictive, no problem playing. That looks really cool, yeah. Oh, cool. So, Will, when you come in town next week for Star Wars, you're going to be the lawnmower man. That's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. <laughs> All right. And it's a great thing as a gift because I would never buy that for myself. But if I had one given to me, you're damn right I'd fall in the rabbit hole of VR. So, Rob mentioned him. He mentioned the name just a little bit ago. And I guess we should eventually get to it. But we're here to talk about episode six of The Mandalorian, Prisoner, right? Yes. Um, Rob, as the guest, what are your initial thoughts about our, uh, this newest episode? I think it's my second favorite episode of the show after episode two. Um, and they're both by the same uh, director, I think. Yep. Who I want to say his name, but I know I'm going to mess it up, so I won't. Rick. But his first name is Rick. Rick Famayua. It's definitely Famayua. That's how I've heard it pronounced. I I went on YouTube and looked up interviews and stuff because like, I tried to get this stuff as correct as possible. And obviously, the great Michael Giacchino incident of 2016. Giacchino. <laughs> proves otherwise. But I do try. Um, and yeah. that's how I've heard it pronounced is Famayua. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think I've seen anything he's worked on prior to this. And I kind of like want to go back and check it out because if it's, I don't know who directs the episodes until the, the credit comes up. Uh huh. So it was like, I was like, once I see his name come up and then I think he also like co-wrote the script and I was just like, Oh, okay. So he, he's the episode two guy, the, the, the Jawas with the egg and all that stuff. And this is, I don't think this episode could have been any more different from that, that one, but it still, for some reason worked for me. I guess there's just something about that guy's style that I really like. Uh, what'd you guys think? I really enjoyed it. I, I don't know what other people think about, um, I wouldn't necessarily call them cameos, but like, I think the casting in this series has been really good on point with Mm. the exception of the dude from last week, the the wannabe bounty hunter from last week. Like I have, he played a sleaze ball. He looked like a you did you didn't like him, right? You I weren't supposed to. Okay, that means it was good casting. In that <laughs> regard, it's good casting. But like, I thought he was an awful actor. Like that is not good casting. But I see what you're saying, Will, and I do agree. Like it got that point across very well for me that I don't like this dude, and I'm not supposed to like this dude. Um. I really like this episode. Parts of it, I don't know what it is. Felt a little bit like uh, Firefly to me in oh this one. Oh my God, get out of my brain. And I, <laughs> waiting, waiting for my turn to speak, I was like, it was a little Serenity, like a yeah. little Cowboy Bebop-y. Which is not a bad thing, but it also, you know, I think it was the space station stuff for a lot of it. Um, and the yeah. reference to the ship being so old. Yeah. Yeah, which I thought was actually a nice touch and and like how it sort of integrated into the plot. They specifically wanted the Razor Crest for this mission because it's it's not on Imperial yeah. the Imperial docket or the New Republic docket. I thought that was a nice touch. I got to tell you as a Star Wars game master, like the hair like stood up on my arms when I heard them like, "Wait, I have to factor that into it now?" Like what what that what they've got lists of ships now like what is this like how do I, 
because you know that's one of the things you think about is like can you be tracked will you do you have to like register when you show up somewhere it's like one of those silly like rpg gaming things that you never really hear about in in the movies yeah and rob we were talking on twitter through the dms one day and you you put it perfectly a lot of this show feels like a star wars tabletop rpg campaign yeah they feel like those adventure modules like i mean the good ones feel like uh like really good adventure modules and the not so good ones feel like kind of not so good adventure in, in the same weird way um this episode specifically with its cast of characters mm -hmm. felt much like a Dungeons and Dragons adventure. Yeah. Right? Like a yes. heist adventure. I okay? think because the characters were very much like kind of predictable sort of stock I mean, characters, right. right? I mean, you had the smart mouth gunslinger, you had the heavy, the the muscle, and okay, here's the thing about the female character. Uh Acted very well. I didn't realize Twilix had sharp teeth. I didn't realize they had fangs. Me neither. So well, hearing her come has like filed down like pointy teeth, right? I don't know. All of his are regular teeth. Yeah, like yeah. Bib Fortuna has... doesn't have. She's yeah. not a Twilix though. Yeah, she is. Yeah, Hera? she is, but she's like doesn't really conform to most of the. She's the least Twi'lek of all the Twi'lek characters that I've seen in the... In the... Um, anyway, it's cool. It's fine that her teeth are sharp. But the knife thing is what is what I don't like. The knife-obsessed knife rogue is like a played-out D&D trope. <laughs> like, you know, there's always that 14-year-old that's like, yeah, my assassin's in the corner, and he's playing with his knives. You know, he's like yeah. flipping it around in his fingers and stuff, and like... Throwing it against the wall. Yeah, that did seem very cliche in a way. That was the only thing about the entire episode that that tweaked my nipples a little wrong. But the rest <laughs> of it was great. <coughs> nice. The rest of it was absolutely fantastic. She did a fantastic job as that character. I mean, it, it's a great feeling of for what Mando was doing before he inter, inter, you know encountered the child. Basically, now, is she, like, is she the actor? Is she the actor who was? Uh, is the the wildling character from the Game of Thrones yes. series, and she's also okay. uh, Tonks in Harry Potter. Are they all kind of the same character? Uh, Tonks, Tonks not is so kind much. Of a good guy, badass. She's kind of like a like. I remember guy, really badass, liking. I I didn't fin. I stopped around like the middle of season three on Game of Thrones, but I did really like that character. And I was like, that is one hell of a character actress right there, like. She was like, un, like she seemed unpredictable and and kind of scary, and kind of, but also like you know, you just never knew when she was gonna like, or if she was gonna stab you in the back. And when I was seeing this, is like that's who that reminds me of. And so okay, good. <laughs> I mean, she like is clearly doing that thing again. And somebody probably told her like do the do the Game of Thrones thing, but now you've got like you know, greenish blue skin and, and yeah. giant head tails. But I felt like that was a really, uh, maybe I just really like her, uh, take on, you know, it's like, she's, what's interesting is like the, the character has like a very, like, like an unusually for star Wars, like an unusually sexual element to it, but it's not like she's especially sexy. Like she really just looks like a normal Twi'lek woman. Right. 
right? Like she doesn't look like she's like she's she's not going to be like you know do any dance routines in front of Max Rebo. <laughs> like right. she's just like a regular person, but oh, which no, is kind of the same. Fucking psychotic is what she's. <laughs> well, okay, not. I mean, but you know, in terms of like just her, like she's not like an unusually attractive, like person, in in the same way that like you know, you know, Bill Bear is not a, a unusually attractive man. You know, like he, he's. I'm sure he's kind of handsome, I guess, but he's not like a. He's not. Nobody, nobody's gonna be swooning in the aisles over the, these people, right? He looks Which like I kind those. of like. He looks like a smaller version of my Uncle Dennis, Bill Burr does. <laughs> Something about him reminds me of a much smaller version. Like, they could be in that movie uh, Twins from uh, the 80s with Arnold and Danny DeVito. Right. Um, Danny, why is Danny DeVito not in this show? I It's got, with the crazy casting that they've done, like, so, uh, what's, shit, what was his name? Kirk, the big Deveronian guy? Yeah. That's Clancy Brown from... Highlander, the Kurgan from Highlander. The Kurgan. I it, was like, really? this is the this is channeling the Kurgan. I, as I was watching it, I was like, this is too perfect. Famously, the voice of Mr. Crab from SpongeBob. Also, yeah, Sav- the worst named character in Star Wars history, Savage Opress from the Clone Savage Wars. <laughs> and also Ryder Azadi from Rebels. So this is his third. Star Wars role, which it's I thought was pretty. It's kind of sad when Berg is your best name Star Wars character that you've done. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I don't think Ryder Azadi is that bad. Savage Opress. Uh, yeah, Savage Opress is like when you've got two real words as your name. Yeah. <laughs> that's a problem. But yeah, Ryder, I feel like, is a little bit like, that's a little bit Dash Rendar territory for me. But yeah. I don't know, whatever. They're all kind of stupid. Um, the, the names are, but like. I, I like Dash Rendar. You like I, the name? I don't. Yeah, yeah, I, I like you. the name. What I liked about all these characters is that this is like one of those times where it's something the show hasn't done enough of, where you get an impression of like, oh, there are some really bad people out there. Yeah, like, yes. w- like the way Bill Burr is like is messing with them constantly, even though he himself is like overcompensating for like he doesn't. Like he's the closest we get to your player character in our game, Hawes. Uh huh. Like he's he's the closest we've gotten yet. Not quite exactly the same, but close. Where like he's he's putting on a little bit more of a show than he needs to. But uh not that he's incompetent or anything. It just like you know what I mean? Like he's oh, good absolutely. at what he does, but it seems like he's like he's making a point of like I'm gonna mess with this guy as much as I can because that's how I show everybody how tough I am. Well, everybody thinks this guy's so badass. I'm um, gonna bring it down a notch. I'm anxious to hear what you guys thought of this. What did you think about when like when they're introducing everybody and the the guy that's setting up the job is like, yeah, he's an a, a former Imperial sharpshooter. And the Mando's like, that doesn't mean much. And he's like, I wasn't a stormtrooper, wise ass. Yeah, I thought that was funny. I did too. It was funny. Um, I, I kind of like, that's our second ass we've gotten in Star Wars. And I, I don't think it's growing on me. I don't know why. I, I don't know why. Like, there's a lot of, like, regular Earth expressions that. Yeah, that has come exist, in, in. But it's like when, drums. I think the. 
Yeah, I think once uh, once Poe said, get behind that big-ass door, like, <laughs> that just felt like the most, like, that's what, that's Ryan Johnson saying that. That's not Poe Dameron <laughs> saying that. That's Ryan Johnson, you you magnificent bastard, Ryan Johnson. Like, um, I, it, it doesn't bother me as much as it did when I first heard it, because I was just like, whoa. But, yeah, I was kind of like, I also kind of, I don't know, like, Stormtroopers should they can shoot fine. If you were watching a cowboy western where every time somebody shot a gun at somebody, you watch the bullet like get traced in bright red to it's like from like where it begins to where it ends up, you'd be like, I mean, none of these none of these cowboys can shoot worth a damn. Any any action movie, the heroes are damn near bulletproof. I mean, it just yeah. doesn't matter what action movie you're watching. Like, there's very few of them that are real to the point where right the hero takes bullets. You know, like. Right, right. I mean, the Mando <laughs> gets hit in the shoulder at least once or twice That's every single episode. The Mando has gotten episode. hit, hit a lot, and it's the armor in the shoulder. <laughs> like those, those shoulder pauldrons are getting a workout. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and that's where people aim. Like smart warriors will aim for the weak points in the armor. But the shoulders, the the pauldron, like he's got shoulder armor, and so does I don't know. Anyway, right? Like but they're it's aiming for like the joint, the the armpits or the neck or the, you know what I'm saying. The... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Like I think that, um, like so on one hand, it's kind of like you don't want to. I don't think it's a good idea to to make like punk on the stormtroopers too much, because then it becomes a thing where it's like, well, now when you watch a movie, they're not threatening anymore, because everybody's been making fun of them so much for the. For just being as bad at shooting things as every other bad, like anonymous bad guy is in a movie. But at the same time, it's like, it's not necessarily saying that. It's just saying, like, like stormtroopers can't shoot. Like, they're, you know, he was an Imperial sharpshooter. It's like, well, they can't. They're not, they're no good. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's not I, saying much. You can take it's it like, two ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not like, I'm not a grunt, right? Like, yeah. Uh, what did you guys think about Zero, the droid? Voiced by Taika Waititi, correct? No, that was, and this is a last name I'm going to mess up. He plays Moss in the IT crowd, Richard Aoyde? Aoyde? I don't know. Oh, yeah, I saw that name does, in the credits. Yeah. Does he have glasses and really big hair? Yes. I think I know who you're talking about. Yes. Oh, that, that's, that's the, I didn't recognize his voice. I didn't either and didn't realize it was I him. Thought it, I just thought it was Taika Waititi. No, no. Uh, I love the design. I love I the it was design. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my only thing is like about like, again, this is from in a way like GMEA a Star Wars RPG has sort of like ruined parts of this franchise for me because I keep thinking like. For example, like the Mando sneaks up on that guy pretty easily. It's like, what's the point of being a death robot if like somebody could just sneak up on you? Like, shouldn't you at least kind of know that someone's behind you? But then again, like I guess they are basically in this universe. They're just they're basically just people. Well, the Mandalorian has a particular hatred for robots mm -hmm. and may know that he has to sneak quietly. Yeah, sneak he must have a way. Him. If he can sneak up on anybody in that armor, that's amazing. <laughs> I um. I thought they they played with some interesting almost horror elements in oh, the so cool. yeah latter half of the show when he's hunting that group throughout the the prison ship like with yeah. the red and lighting that's where and stuff. the seizure warning came from I assume the strobe lights yeah yeah I uh, 
I thought that was really cool, like how he just sort of appeared behind Bill Burr's character at one point. And um, like it was really cool seeing um, <coughs> sort of him kick a lot of ass this episode, like when he took out yeah, all those man. droids. There was so much dialogue in this episode comparatively and so much action. I watched this episode twice. And each time when I watched it twice, I rewound it through the thick dialogue parts and through the action scenes just to see them again. Like, there's so much going on. I almost had to see it a couple times just to take it all in. And it was great. It was kick-ass. I mean, the Mandalorian kicks more ass in this episode than he has in a long time. And it's just great. It's wonderful. I loved how he, like, uh, wound that uh, his grappling hook thing around one of the robot's necks and then at the very end just like i don't think he just pulls it he must like kick the or do something where he just like basically like severs the robot's head using that hook yeah which is like it you know realistically that can't happen but it's it again they are basically in star wars they are basically human beings with just like slightly weirder voices and it was it looked so cool uh yeah, I don't know. I loved there's good good little details like how he was out of breath after he like killed them all and how the which was an interesting thing that you don't expect to see it, it kind of catches you off guard a little bit maybe. Well, and the foreshadowing of how Bill Burr didn't have any of them help him. Right. How he like, actively stopped he, them from helping him. Right. If he dies, it's fine cuz he, he, he's already ship. done what we need him to do. Right. It's there there you kind of know a betrayal is coming, but it's sort of like just the menace of those other characters is so Heavy. unusual for Star Wars and it felt very welcome uh for me. Like I just felt like, "Oh yeah, that's a nice threat for this character." Cuz he's he's so badass. Like you can't just have normal people being his antagonist they've got to be like especially evil um evil even by his standards what did you guys think about the like the remote control gun arm thing on bill burr's back Uh, that was a nice touch very good very cool yeah i remember seeing it in the trailer and being like oh i don't know what to think about that but it seemed to work out as handy like it was basically handy in an ambush and then, like, and around a corner, and that seems, you know, seems like when it would be handy. Wasn't there? Uh, wasn't the the Dash Rendar toy? Didn't he have something like that? Maybe he came he with did. the backpack and some kind of gun arm thing. I think you might be right. I'm actually going to look that up right now because it's been a while since I've seen one of those jokers. Kind of does. He kind of does. Like it's it's weird because it's not. Like he holds the gun, but he does have a backpack with like a robot arm attached to a big rifle. It was interesting because like it's I I, I don't really I don't like too much of the like we've got guns on top of guns on top of guns. But I did like it with this character because it again, it seemed like he was overcompensating for something like he had a lot of guns on him to the point where it looked almost hilarious. Like it looked kind of funny. Um, so when when the little gun comes around the corner, it's like, okay, well, at least that serves a purpose. Like, he can hide behind something and then still have a thing that shoots it. Right. I, uh, I do really like that they ended up leaving those three characters alive because it seemed so far in this show 
that they introduce some sort of antagonist and they're dealt with by the end of the episode. You know, IG-11, the guy from last week, and so on. So I like that those three were left alive. So the potential is that they'll come back. Um, Oh, you know they will. Yeah. Yeah, they've got to. There's no guarantee that the two at the end are dead. You know, I assume that the X-Wings blew that thing up, but they may have stopped the attack right after you cut the screen away and they would have still been alive. Yeah, I did like that, uh, the way that it establishes the whole, like, again, it's kind of weird because I, like, if I don't know which Blue Harvest Adventures episode it is, but, like, a lot of those things that when they, when your characters invaded that ship, they boarded that ship. Mm Mm-hmm. And they had to hijack it, and a lot of the things that happened to them were what happened in this episode. Like, not exactly. But very close. close. I thought the exact same thing while watching it. I was like, damn, did Robbo write this episode? Because this is some Robbo shit we're, I'm seeing right now. Which is another reason why I'm like, I wonder why I like this so much. Is it because it's really good, or is it because <laughs> like it's it's very similar to what I would have done on some in some weird way because like remember when they find the the pilot right of Mm -hmm. the ship and there's like they weren't expecting to find anybody and then it becomes this whole thing where they've got to like well how do you deal with this like do we kill them in cold blood and of course like all the really bad people are like yeah let's kill them and the man is like no 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 wait a second (laughs) yeah by the way that character played by matt lanter who played uh anakin in the clone wars that's what I heard. Yeah, we got a lot of cameos in this one. Yeah, and one of my favorite lines in this episode is when Bill Burr's like, "Look at his, look at his shoes. It matches nice belt. Shoes. That <laughs> must have been belt. an ad lib. That was awesome. How the because the camera just like goes down to look at his shoes, then goes back up. Uh huh. That had to have been a Bill Burr ad lib. I'm not. I don't, I don't actually know Bill Burr from anything other than that. I remember hearing like the thing. It was oh, it's funny. This comedian was cast in this show because he's famous for making fun of Star Wars. And that's all I know about him. I may have seen him in a movie, but I don't remember. But that was a pretty good, I think if that was an ad lib, as I think it was, then they did a good job with it. They probably reshot, like when they did one of the takes, he did that joke. And they're like, oh, we should do that. Have the cameraman just go down to the guy's shoes and then go back up to the guy's face. I got to say, like, I thought he did a really good job. Like, so I'm familiar with him. Jesse, uh, Keith and I actually went to see him. Uh, when he came to Birmingham one time and, you know, I was familiar with him from Breaking Bad as well and occasionally listened to his podcast and, you know, uh, in Breaking Bad, he didn't have, like, he probably had more lines in this episode of The Mandalorian than he did in his entire career on Breaking Bad, but uh, I thought he did a really good job and, like, a good enough job that I think other people wouldn't have pulled like when he's when they're trying to get the Mandalorian to take his helmet off and he's like oh what if he's a Gungan under there and then he does like an impression of the Gungan that was good especially when you realize he probably hasn't seen the Phantom Menace he probably looked at like a YouTube clip (laughs) right they were like look we need you to do this but uh you know this, you know, they had they probably provided him some sort of reference, like you're saying, a YouTube clip or something. I thought he did a really good job. And like, I so I'm surprised that he hasn't been in. Like you said, he was in Breaking Bad, but it doesn't sound like a big role. Like he hasn't done a bunch of acting before this. 
Um, he's mostly a comedian. Yeah, he's done some voiceover work. He had a show on Netflix, which is uh, really funny. Show. It's really dark, but it is really funny. Super dark for a family show, but it is funny. Um, yeah. As far as his acting goes, um, I'm not seeing a whole lot. Like I'm looking at it right now. You know, F is her family. That's the show on Netflix. The Mandalorian, Breaking Bad, and then some stuff I've never heard of, like Daddy's Home. Yeah, it sounds weird. Um, I like. I was surprised by how, like, good because again, like we had this thing with Episode Five where it's like, is the actor just like not <coughs> like doing a good job or getting bad direction, or is the character supposed to be like infuriating and and poserish? Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. And then with this one, it's like this guy did come off as like a little bit poser-ish, but also had like genuine menace and did seem like he was really there, really a part of this world. And like, but you also got the impression that he was like kind of, a, the the character was a little bit fake. Like was definitely like capable of killing people and stuff like that. And maybe even good at shooting people, especially in that argument. Yeah. And he was like, you'll, you'll get out of here with your life. And he was like, no, what, what that's talking about? No, you won't. That's the line. That was the best line. Never say that. (laughs) Cause the guy's got the buzzer. Like he's, he's going to, that's again, another thing that's a direct, you know, is, is almost exactly like what happened to your characters in that game. Which is like there's like a little thing that once somebody presses the button, it's over. Like somebody's going to come get you and you've got to move fast. You know, which is like just kind of a classic like, oh, make the characters worry about something and hurry up. Right. It's like a storytelling thing. It just, you know, force things to move quickly, give give people a reason to panic. But yeah, the, exactly. Like the guy's got that button. Like you don't want to tell him that you're going to shoot him, even if you're going to. Right. It, well, but, that, but it was good because he let it slip. He's like, "What are you talking? No, no, he won't." <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the best. So the the tracking beacon or whatever, you know, the distress beacon. I'm a little confused about the timeline of how that works because, like, when they find when he's like, "Hey, was that thing blinking before?" And then the droid comes over the comm and he's like, uh, "You guys have 20 minutes." It seems like way more than 20 minutes you know, for the end point when the Mando stashes that on the prisoner guy and then the three X-Wings show up and blow up the space station or whatever. Yeah, um, maybe maybe they jump to the the ship first and then I, jump I, there. Like, that, Yeah. That's what I figured because they'd see that the, the, the same signal was being sent from two different locations. That makes sense. Okay. What so did you guys... Think of the cameos at the end of the X-Wing pilots. Yeah, uh, two Dave, of them are really old, good. Oh, Dave Filoni <laughs> driving the X-Wing. Well, so that was Dave Filoni, Rick Famuyiwa, and Deborah Chow, all directors from the show. That was I didn't realize that until I saw the credits where they're like also appearing, and then it's got Dave Filoni, and I was like, oh, I mean, I knew it was I knew it was Filoni, like obvious. Like I look. The first lines he reads are fine, but when he goes, they're launching a gunship. Yeah, the gunship <laughs> line is weird. Like, why it's why like, didn't you have Deborah Chow read that gunship? one? She didn't have enough to say. Like, she only said, like, two words. Maybe have her read that one because you're not an actor and you can't do this. Like, 
He uh, said it. He said it like it was another day at the office. Like he it, was about to take another sip of coffee, which just sucked all the. Which made him seem cruel. Honestly, it made the the X wing pilot seem like, oh, you guys are so in control, you're not even scared. And then you like, like, just light up the space station. Oh, uh, gunship on deck, light it up. Yeah, Watch it's like, <clears throat> it's, which I like the. I like on one hand, I like the idea. It's like these guys are. This is routine or something like that. And I think if you look carefully, they don't kill the entire space station. They shoot the gunship, and then it looks like they're like taking out like the weapon systems on the platform. Yeah, we don't see them destroy the spaceship. Right. I mean, you can so, you can play it either way in my head. But if they if but if they did just like destroy the entire space station, they would be war criminals. Like that's yeah. <laughs> can't do that like well, even supposedly Wars, that that guy is on the, the for all they know you know that guy's hostage on board that space station the driver the right exactly that's the other thing is so like if he still has the beacon then they're just killing the prisoner right uh yeah so i i i, I interpreted it as they they were quickly neutralizing the defenses of that of that space station and but the way he said it just made it seem like like Oh, they're launching a gunship. It's like, just have, <laughs> just, you can, you have so many takes you can do. Like, why did you, that, that that's the scary thing. That was the best take because he didn't direct this episode. That was the best take they had. Maybe have <laughs> one of the other people say that line. Like, it's just not good enough. It's maybe he was like, I'm only going to shoot it once. Um, and did you, did you guys catch his name in the credits? No. What was it? No. You guys want to guess? Uh, Fave Deloney. <laughs> uh, it's a different, different kind of predictable Haas. Uh, Wolf Tano. <laughs> Wolf Badassman. <laughs> Trapper Wolf. Trapper. I knew Wolf had to be part you of it. Knew it. it. It's so. The it's it's beyond self parody at this point. Uh, well, it's just like obliviousness. <laughs> Uh, look, I don't know. I don't know that m if I was in a Star Wars cameo, if I wouldn't be down with them calling me like Raccoon Harriman or something. You know, like I'd be like, all right, yeah, that's cool. Like, I get it. I, I like it, but Trapper Wolf. Like, just try <laughs> not to come. Like, do cowboy hats exist in Star Wars? If not, you need a different name. Because like, it just sounds real. I'm hoping after this episode that Dave Filoni retires the, the cowboy hat and just goes around everywhere in an X-Wing pilot helmet. Well, to me, I... all all of it is acceptable if this is the last time he's ever in any Star Wars. Oh, he won't like, be. I bet you he shows up in uh, in Resistance like next episode. You think he's going to Peter Jackson it? He's going to be like, General Trapper Wolf is here. Mm. Hi, be... everyone. They're launching a gunship. <laughs> Um, man, if they run into Lieutenant like Captain Trapper Wolf, I'll trip the fuck. I bet you they will. I mean, how different is it than like Gareth Edwards being like, "It's salt." <laughs> <That's> like... <laughs> um, before we move on to emails and stuff, because we've got some uh, people that wrote in and sent in voicemails. Uh, what did you guys think about the concept of the Republic? prisonership that's like pretty much run and stuff by droids like for one i thought the droid design of like the guard droids was really cool and i did like that they had like the new 
Republic symbol on like their yeah their yeah. chest. I thought that was a nice touch and. Well, they were like they had their joints of their like long, lanky arms and legs were like K2SO, right? Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty cool because they're like serving the same function, so they must have similar parts. At the very beginning, I thought they were blaster proof. You know, they I guess they're not from behind because Bill Burr ambushed them from behind, took them out pretty easily. But they were shugging off blaster bolts like it was nothing from the front there at the beginning. Yeah, and and that move the Mandalorian does when he slides and like cuts one of their legs off, I thought that was pretty neat. Um, it does look so cool, right? Where do you guys think we're headed after this? We got two more episodes this season. Um, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I uh, my little one is awake. Okay, well, if you need to go handle that, buddy, just mute your mic and come back if you if you if you can. We could we could pause it for like a minute or two, right? I, I it may take longer than that, but um, you guys go ahead, and if I make it back, I'll make it back. I'm gonna go ahead and mute it now. Okay, cool. Oh, Sorry. Uh, Haas, did you did you recognize the other droids that they had? Uh, uh, so the big sort, the ones that the big Deveronian guy basically body slams, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. was a great touch. Uh, yes, no, I didn't recognize those. So they are actually, a, I think you can see them in the Sandcrawler in Star Wars, and you pro, uh, but you can definitely see them in uh, the streets of Mos Eisley. And in the old RPG source books, they were called R1 droids. So the West End Games people figured they must have been like the earliest models. Uh, you never see them moving or doing anything. They always look like they're just broken and and powered down. Uh, and they're, and they, you, there's nothing that indicates they hover. In fact, some of them have like a big like foot type thing attached to the bottom that's not entirely clear what they do, but... Yeah, so like the Western Games guys figured they must have been like the early Astromech models or oh. something like that, which is because the the top of them kind of is, but it never really made a whole lot of sense because all the other you know Astromechs you see are different, and those things don't look like they're designed to fit into like the socket of a ship or anything. So it was really cool to me to see like a slightly updated version of them uh, floating around and and looking useful. I thought that was a great that's to me is like the kind of shout out or reference that is very welcome because it's just like a super background element that most people won't even notice. But if you did notice it and you're like, what the hell is that thing for? And then they show you like they're kind of like patrol droids. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, I will say, I think this this series in general has been good about bringing little elements of star Wars like that back and putting them in new context. Like, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Will Rowe hoods, ice cream maker, you know? Yeah. That was really cool. Like now we know that like, Oh, he's running away with that. He's so concerned with this ice cream maker because it's a safe. He's got some really yeah. important shit in there. That makes perfect sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an ice cream maker at all. It's it's like a like a pressurized canister for for valuables. Yeah, yeah. I just think you know, um, you know, I I was as much as anybody could be with this series. I was probably predisposed to really like it because of the subject matter and the main character and and things like that. But oh, I can yeah. also recognize, you know, some of the weaker elements. I by no means think it's 100% perfect. But when it nails something, 
man, does it nail it. I it think really that's, that's for me is the, is the, is all I really ask for at the end of the day is like, is it like, are the, is the cool stuff it does and the good stuff it does really, really good. And does it outweigh like the, the misses, right? Right. Like there's some, there's some misses for me. Like, I don't think the show again, like, like you said, I don't, I don't, I certainly don't think it's perfect, but at the same time, like I, I feel like when it, it does hit that kind of magic note for me, which is like, it, it's at its best. It makes me feel like what's going to happen next. Like even when it's the most cliche, like by the numbers kind of TV story, and I, I, they're doing it on purpose. Like they recognize they're kind of like this is all the stuff that like Star Wars hasn't touched yet, but we can do it now. And it, it's like it just makes it feel fresh again. Like the the whole point of Star Wars from the beginning for me was like it's a playground for all the old like kind of like all the all the kind of like uh, played out stuff from you know the pulp fiction type elements that you can like it's a new setting for that stuff right so it's like if you've seen it a million times in like cowboy movies well you can put it in star wars and it and it seems fresh again and it allows you to enjoy it in with the same kind of fascination that somebody would have the first time they saw that story. It makes it, it's like a way of refreshing old ideas and making it feel new again. And that's, I think this show has really nailed it. Like I, and I'm not just saying that because, you know, you know what I mean? Like I'm regulars, people who don't know me from other shows um, may not know that how cynical I am, but I'm, I can be pretty down on, on stuff I don't like. And I don't think that like makes me cooler. <laughs> In fact, it's really like, I feel, I wish I could enjoy things more easily, but I just, I have a hard time like holding anything against the show because it's, it's always like showing you the new fun next thing, you know, the next fun thing that, that Nick's kind of adventure that you can go on. And I like how it doesn't, every episode doesn't directly connect to the next episode. Yeah, and as long as, you know, at the end of the first season, it it all sort of ties together, I'm not expecting it to wrap up because obviously we know there's a second season coming at least. With as successful and well-received as this has been, like, it seems like one of those situations where we could be in store for this goes on as long as the creators want. Like, I hope it's not a situation where they just draw it out, but... If we get three or four seasons out of this and they, you know, wrap up the story they want to tell in three or four seasons, like, I think that's entirely possible. And when you think about the concept of what Star Wars television could have been, I think we got extremely lucky with this in comparison to what it could have been. Yeah, like, I do feel like the show moves very fast fast and the first time i watch every episode i'm kind of like whoa that that was over quick like oh this is moving quickly like and then the second time i i watch it it's kind of like when i watch the new movies too i feel the same way where it's like I've, there's so much for me to take in it feels like it's moving at like breakneck pace but at the same time like i kind of like that about it i feel like that's a really in a weird way kind of truer to uncle george's kind of original vision for like this like pulp serial type thing where 
it's always moving fast. Like that's where all the screen wipes come in. Mm-hmm. Like those are there to like, cause you can like do double duty on, on the screen for like, you can establish a scene in the time it takes just to get the, the viewer oriented to where they are now. And so that way the action can pick up pretty much right, right when the wipe is done. That's why, that's why the old serials did that. And that's why uncle George did it. And this show does it too. It's, it's just moving very quickly, but it's because it's not wasting your time. Like it's really trying hard to like pack as much, kind of whatever it's trying to give you even in the moodier episodes like it's like if it's showing you a quiet scene with nothing happening it's it's there for a reason it's because it's kind of trying to show you something about the situation yeah yeah (laughs) pause can we uh, pause it for just like a minute absolutely thank you all right so um first up from our first voicemail we've got uh, king tom let's hear what he has to say Hey there, Haas and Will. I really dug this week's episode of The Mandalorian. I'm looking forward to your take on it, and whoever your special guest is. I have two questions for you about the series overall. First, you know, back when we used to watch Lost and other shows like that, the the, the credits, they would roll a preview of next week on Lost or whatever. And I think when I used to watch shows like that, I got used to that. And with The Mandalorian, I love the end credit sequences, the, you know, the, the, the credits over the art. I think that's an awesome idea, especially for star Wars where the concept art is its own thing. And going into the show, I thought it would be cool to have a next week on the Mandalorian type of preview, but now I'm not so sure. I don't, I feel like because each episode is mostly self-contained, I can just live with what I've seen and I don't need to know what's going to be next week. How do you guys feel about that? Do you, would you want a you know a 20 30 second preview or or not to not to take the place of the concept art but just for for the hell of it my other question is related to the big thing at the end of last week's episode the mystery person who ap- approached Fennec Shan and I you know I, I'm definitely leaning your way I think it's it's Boba if it is though how do you reconcile the whole thing with Cobb Vanth because obviously movies and TV are more important than what happens in the books but at the same time we're telling one big story here and the books count and in the aftermath book Cobb Vanth has the Boba Fett armor but do you have him show up in the in the TV show in the Mandalorian and say I'm not Boba Fett I'm Cobb Vanth because then people would probably riot over that but then how do you say, oh, I'm Boba Fett, but I took my armor back from that Cobb Vanth guy? These are the types of questions that keep me awake at night. Anyway, looking forward to your take on this week and other Star Wars items of interest. Thank you for the great podcast, and I will talk with you later. Thank you for the voicemail, King Tom. Um, I don't know how you feel about the there not being any next time on The Mandalorian sort of stinger, but it doesn't really bother me. Um, I think the the choice to do the concept at art at the end is so neat. And like, it's such a good way to keep me interested in the credits, you know? And, um, and it looks so cool that I think that's the perfect approach because like King Tom said, like star Wars concept art and storyboards and stuff are so like iconic and so associated with star Wars. I feel like that, I just think it was like a pretty inspired choice. 
Yeah, I think that's like part of the genius of the original kind of Lucasfilm team. Uh, I'm not sure exactly who it was, but I'm guessing. It, <coughs> my guess would be it would be sure, a woman named. Oh, well, yeah. He's back. <laughs> um, that was fast. It'd be just like King Tom to like be listening to a podcast so quickly that he was finished <laughs> with it before they were done recording. Um, so, yeah, like I, my guess is that it might be Carol Teitelman, who was a, a early Lucasfilm employee who was kind of in charge of a lot of the licensing and publishing stuff early on. But it could be somebody else. But in those like original like Star Wars sketchbooks and stuff like that, where uh, they'd have like the Joe Johnson sketches and things. And they would make sure that there was like some extra information, not only about what the inspiration for the designs was, but also like what the like a little bit of background information about whatever the in universe thing was. That that was how we learned that the I believe that they said that the Y wings were not. They were older ships that the the uh, rebellion had kind of like stripped of all their like decorative parts so they would be easier to service uh that kind of thing like that i think those came from this the concept art books and the sketch art books and stuff like that oh. and so yeah they are very much a part of star wars lore and history and it's also just like a way of because so much of unlike like i don't dislike other sci-fi things like I, I i like star trek and all that i grew up with it just like star wars um but at no point was i ever watching star trek episodes and being like I wonder what's around the corner there. I wonder what that thing's for. I wonder right. why that thing's shaped like that. Whereas with Star Wars, you are because everything looks like it belongs there. It looks like it has a purpose, even if it obviously doesn't. Like if it's just the design, it looks cool and that's it. Like the stormtroopers, like the weird, like little vacuum formed plastic things on their backs, like the the donuts and French fries. <laughs> the as oil. I, I think. Yeah, I think that's what the uh, yeah yeah yeah. It's like, what could that possibly be? <laughs> uh, nothing. It's but like it makes you feel like there must be some purpose to it, and you know, so it's like that's something that Star Wars has going for it, and that's I think ultimately what the appeal of a show like The Mandalorian or or really any of the Star Wars TV shows that we've gotten up to this point. I think that's the appeal there is that they're they flesh out the world. Yeah. So the Cobb Vant thing, I have what I might be considered a bit of a controversial opinion, especially for people that are really big fans of those Chuck Wendig's books. I fall sort of in the middle of my opinion, you know, in the range of opinion about them. I don't hate them, but I also don't think they're the greatest thing ever. Uh, I think they progressively got better. The Cobb Vant thing... And maybe this is just because I'm such a Boba Fett fan and it seemed like uh, at a certain point it became the cool thing to shit on was Boba Fett. You know, like uh, to use a video game analogy, it was like how a few years ago the cool video game to shit on was Minecraft. Now the cool video game to shit on is Fortnite, right? Um, and it seemed like there was definitely a period of time that's still around where people just want to shit on Boba Fett. And that's fine. I understand everybody's points of why they don't think Boba Fett should be cool or be so well-regarded because he doesn't do much in the original trilogy. I totally get that. 
But to me, the whole Cobb Vanth thing seemed, and maybe that, and, and I'm sure this is maybe not even how it was intended, but it seemed almost kind of mean spirited in a way to where they were like, where Chuck Wendig was like, well, I don't like Boba Fett. Fuck Boba Fett. He's dumb. I'll say that the Sarlacc spit out his armor. Now this new cool guy has his armor. Now the guy in the Boba Fett armor is finally cool. He's a law man. He's like wired up on Tatooine or some shit, right? Are you serious? Oh my God, well, Will's back. Um, I don't. I don't know. Like I, I really don't like those books, and I don't know if they get better because I could not finish the first one. I've been trying for several years. <laughs> um, but I, one thing I do like about them is those like little interludes. That's my favorite part. Yeah. Them. And that's in, in the Cobb Vant thing, I think is one of those interludes, right? It's it like is. a thing that is just like, it has nothing to do with the story of the books. It's just showing you some other corner of the galaxy and what's happening at this time period. And in that case, it's like, here's this guy on Tatooine who buys like, something that we're led to believe is Boba Fett's like, you know, scarred armor that was puked up by the Sarlacc pit. And it's interesting. I don't know. I didn't really get the vibe like, Oh, this is, uh, this is the cool guy now who's going to like, yeah, make Boba Fett cool. But at the same time, like I totally get what you're saying. Like, I, I feel like the, the real problem with that is that it wasn't, it like suggested, Oh, there's like this, interesting story to tell and but there really nothing came out, out of it and so it was just like setting up something that doesn't really have any payoff i fully admit that it's 100 <gasps> percent most likely that it's just me being too sensitive about boba fett but if they want to keep that in line with the current canon or the show and this is boba fett i think the easiest way to explain it and i think it could have even been hinted at in that scene is that boba fett is wearing something different because i don't think boba fett needs his armor i think to bring boba fett back he doesn't even necessarily have to be in the mandalorian armor well i you know if that is him he's definitely changed his look to some degree because boba fett never had a long cape right that is definitely a new element. And it could just be as easily explained that he's got a new a new look. It could be that he's got a different set of Mandalorian armor. Like it if you go by Clone Wars, Rebels, and now Mandalorian, Mandalorian armor is not nearly as rare as it was made to seem back in the day when we didn't have a whole lot of information about Mandalorians. Or as it seems in this show. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, Boba Fett is a kind of a wasted opportunity, and I don't really know what they do with it now. But I would I be happy they if they Skywalker just... Him. I think the grizzled, angry old vet comes back for one episode, and they kill him. Oh, I don't... <laughs> I kind of wonder... I hope it's not just one episode. One episode would bum me out. But if they're setting him up to be, because like I don't know that we really have an opportunity to get into Boba Fett um, this season with only two episodes left. So I kind of get the feeling, once again, if it is him, that this is set up for next season. And like I think it's a cool hook to leave season one on 
that, oh, Boba Fett's on the Mandalorian's trail now, oh, that's something that will get people interested in season two or keep you, like, you know, excited for yeah. season two. Um, I, get, I I interpreted it as he was on the trail of the of the of the woman they killed. Mm -hmm. That's what it looked like to me. Is because why would you right? How would you even find that area otherwise? Right. And then see that's why I think it could be leading into season two because I wonder if him finding Fennec Shand will, and he'll be like, well, what's up with this? And then we'll lead into further investigations until he right. finds out about the Mando. And for all we know. Maybe he wants to hunt down the Mando because the Mando has a shiny new set of Mandalorian armor and he needs a replacement. I would be okay if they like if they really want to make the aftermath books matter in a way that none of the books really seem to matter. They would have to like have Boba Fett like kill that guy. I would love that, and that would be fine. Like, yeah, but to me, that's like it's it's really unnecessary because those books like nobody talks about them with the exception of the Cobb Vant thing. Be, so like, I don't really know what's well, the point he, of even acknowledging them. If he's supposed to be a good guy and you have him kill a lawman, that's going to be, I, well, mean, I don't think Boba Fett a good guy. He's I don't know. He really a villain. I don't I mean, think I none of that's established. I don't think if Boba Fett comes into this show, I don't think it will be as a good guy. I think he will be an antagonist for the Mando. You know, like, so, and that's you the other thing. You don't even think he'll be an anti-hero? Maybe, maybe his character will evolve into that, but, you know, it's hard for me to say. Like, I'm so focused on, is that Boba Fett? I want that to be Boba Fett. I went into this show thinking, okay, there's no Boba Fett. I'm fine with that. But now that it's seemingly that they're at least wanting people to think that's a possibility... Like, I'm having a hard time figuring out, like, what purpose he serves. And I will admit, if it's a one-episode deal where he just shows up for one episode and then dies again, I will be slightly disappointed. They'll have to do something really cool with him in that episode. Um, I just think he's hired by Giancarlo Esposito. Could be. I hate to I hate to say it, but I think that the if it is Boba Fett, and I personally, I thought for sure I saw the little studs on the on the toes of his boots. Maybe oh. I'm hallucinating, but I thought for sure I saw it, even in, even in like the shadow of it. But it looked like you know he's got those two little studs, right, sticking out from each on the toe of each boot, right. And that's something that I don't think you really see on any other characters. And if they do that, they're either horrible people who are just trying to like troll people like Hawes or they're really trying to make it Boba Fett. But if they are, I think that you're not going to see anything else about Boba Fett in in this season, probably in the perhaps in, in the entire show. What if it's Cobb Vant and Boba Fett comes back in the second season? Oof. I mean, that would be a show in and of itself, right? Like, yeah. how do you even have room for the Mandalorian in that? Yeah, it would seem almost ha like it would have to be a spinoff. Like, like, Maybe they're setting up for that. Hey, don't get my hopes up, William Witten. Don't <laughs> okay, you do that to me. Seriously, though. Like, if you were Kathy Kennedy, and you're like, okay, we're going to have our third uh, Star Wars TV show, or fourth, after Obi-Wan and then Cassian, because apparently they are filming Cassian after all. Right. So we're going to have our fourth one. It's going to be another guy in Mandalorian armor. 
like how could they possibly do it? I don't know. I feel like I feel like this show like it, they, I think that what that was is that was a Dave Filoni episode. I think what he was doing was he's like, I'm going to throw I'm going to throw something out there for the fans and just establish that Boba Fett is back and that he can have adventures again. And then it's up for somebody else to kind of roll with that. We're not going to touch it. But I went back to Tatooine the last place he was seen. Mm-hmm. I put the little jingle jingle spurs and the weird special edition like radar dish sound. like you said though that would be super trolly that would be I don't super like, trolly I don't I think that. that I think it, it's it feels like that but if his intention was simply I'm reviving the character I'm establishing that Boba Fett's still alive and out there and doing stuff somebody else can handle that story but I made it clear you can't deny that Boba Fett is not out there again yeah. he didn't survive then he's actually doing you a favor right I mean look it, I couldn't be mad at that as long. It's it's hard to say because in a show that is admittedly like rich with fan service, and I don't say fan service in a bad way. I don't think fan service is necessarily a bad term. It's done right, exactly. It's that classic when it's done right type of thing. You know, that's what we always say. If it's done right. I just don't see how eventually you don't think, oh, it would be cool to have this guy in Mandalorian armor fight the OG guy in Mandalorian armor. It feels like if they did that, they'd have to make that seems like the perfect opportunity now that you mention it is to like to deal with the whole issue of like, well, what is a Mandalorian? Right. Like, and I, I think that opens up some interesting storytelling possibilities because as we I think has been established in the show the Mandalorian wasn't apparently born into the Mandalorian culture right yeah we unless Mandal- yeah unless well he says that they took me in right right and he said that if you're a Mandalorian or at least a Mandalorian who wears that armor you're never supposed to take it off which Makes me wonder, like, has the Mandalorian ever had sex? I don't know. Seems like it would be almost impossible unless you did it in pitch darkness. But anyway. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I don't know. They kind of hinted that him and the, the lady from this episode might have hooked up back in their, their younger days. Uh, yeah, but it's I like imagine saying, he keeps I it can't on, take Robo. the mask off. So it's, he keeps it on, dude. <laughs> Everything he, else off. He the helmet stays on. on. That's what he says. The helmet stays on. Dude, look, I can't say I wouldn't be tempted to try it if I had that cool Mandalorian helmet. Uh, I'm pretty sure Hawes did it. He's being flirty right now, but I'm pretty sure when we were in uh, college that he was uh, hopping on the good foot and doing the bad thing with the Bubba Thelma home. Well... <laughs> well, that is neither here nor there, Will Witten. If we're if we're sharing college ex, uh, exploits, then uh, you Lord know knows you've shared enough of mine. <laughs> oh man, this is this is getting personal and weird. <laughs> well, um, sorry, I took it there. We it's used a- to go through the drive-through, and Hawes had a Darth Vader mask that he would wear. He would order, and then when he would pull up, they would they would have to give the food to Darth Vader. And it was funny the 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 variety of of reactions you would get with Hawes wearing that Darth Vader mask at the drive thru. 
that was a regular thing that would happen when we were in college. Was the beard poking out from underneath, or was it before all that? It was before, was before the big beard. Um, I also took bong hits in that thing, but that's a completely different story. All right, next up we have a voicemail from our buddy Jim. Damn, that was a good Mandalorian. Holy shit. I think that is my new favorite episode of The Mandalorian. I love the characters. Um, the the female Twilight, Zan, Zan, I could not, I listened so many times, I still couldn't get her name down. Man, she killed it. I love all the new uh, characters, but uh, very much. But uh, man, she was scary and threatening and dangerous. I, I loved her. I thought she did a killer job. Um, and I love that they're all still alive. Bill Burr, I mean, come on. And Mr. Krabs, Highlander killer. I mean, <laughs> they're all, and Zero even. They're just a great, great episode. Can't say, I could talk an hour about it. It was good, so good. Uh, and just the pace of these Mandalorian episodes is so great. When the in the second episode, when the ship was dismantled, I was like, oh, man, it's going to be six episodes of him on this planet uh, put, trying to find parts for the thing, for his ship and stuff like that. And it's like, nope, one montage later, he's going to be back in action. I love the pace of this show. I just can't say enough good stuff about it. And what a perfect distraction because next week, in one week, oh my God, Star right. Wars... Rise of Skywalker. Oh my God. I am so pumped. Are you guys pumped? I am so pumped, man. Um, I was wondering if you guys have any last minute, like, hey, maybe this will happen. Uh, my example is uh, if Ray isn't a Skywalker, which uh, which I'm hoping for, um, but I, if she's not, I don't care. I'm not going to be like uh, burnt. But, uh, if, if not, what if she was royalty? Um, like her mother was a queen or something like that, just to give her character a little like, oh, okay, you know? Because, I mean, when she says she's nobody in the movies, she's saying that she's like uh, drunk people were her parents, you know, if, if she's just like that. What would mean something to her is not that she's Sky Luke Skywalker's daughter or Obi-Wan's daughter. That's not what she's talking about. So if she was something of importance uh, her blood, in her bloodline, I think that'd be nice for her. Uh, but uh, what, do you have any last minute, like, hey, maybe something that people haven't talked about that, like, hey, what if this happens? And I think that the uh, Sith Troopers are going to be, like, badasses. Uh, all right. Well, uh, thank you very much. You guys rock. Enjoy your week up to Rise of Skywalker. Have a good one. See ya. Wow. Jim's pumped. I'm pumped. It is hard to believe that the sequel trilogy is over. By this time next week, we'll know. It's over. No more debating. Well, plenty more debating, but no more, more questions. <laughs> Probably a it's lot sad. more debating. What'd you say, Will? It's all it's sad that it's over. It's sad, and it just it, it feels like it went by so fast, which it did. It went by much faster than you know, the time between between prequel movies and stuff. But yeah, like, it's crazy to think about that it's it's all over. I don't know that I have any last minute 
what ifs or maybes. Like at this point, and and this is going to sound shittier than I mean it to. I don't mean it to sound shitty, but I'm ready for it to be over on the other hand. Meaning I'm ready for the end of Ray's parents debates. I'm ready for the end of Kyle. End of speculation. Yeah. Um, like, and, and it's not that I haven't enjoyed doing some cock duty speculating about, uh, uh, you know, the sequel trilogy, but it, like, I'm ready. I'm ready to just know, you know, like I'm ready to have these questions answered. I'm ready to go on the ride with these characters one more time. Uh, I won't say one last time because come on, it's gonna happen again. Um, and I just, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I can't, you know, there's so many elements about episode nine that I can't wait to check out. The Sith Troopers, I'm down to see what they're going to be up to. I have a sneaky suspicion that it's not going to be a whole lot. Because they haven't been featured in the marketing so much. As much as I've seen. Because I did cut myself off from TV spots and stuff. Um, Knights of Ren. I want to see what they're up to. What they do. What you do, Knights of Ren? Uh, what do you do? What do you got, Will? What, do you have any last-minute what-ifs or maybes for Episode Nine? I really don't. I mean, that last trailer that we watched, you know, kind of ended my what-ifs and maybes. I, 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 like, I'm like you. I'm just ready to see that story, ready to see that unfold. I mean, what if what if Kylo turns out good and Ray goes bad? You know. Yeah, I just uh, I don't see that happening. I see Kylo getting redeemed and probably going back to the light side, but I don't see Ray going bad. If they do that, then to me, the only way you do that is if you're blatantly setting up for another trilogy. You know. Yeah. You got a limited amount of time. Two hours, 20 minutes, whatever this movie's going to end up being. What do you think, Rob? What you got, buddy? I mean, that would be the ultimate surprise, wouldn't it be? If like it ended on a cliffhanger and it's like, oh, wait, there's n it's not a trilogy after all. It's a tetralogy or whatever. There's, there's going to be a fourth one. That would be something epic that... Uh, is I, I personally don't understand why they're married to the trilogy concept. So I would love that if they did that. And so it's very much wishful thinking on my part. That's what I would hope. It's like there's some kind of cliffhanger at the end of this where it's like, it's not over after all. It's it's going to go on. But they put so much into like the whole the saga yeah. is over, et cetera, that makes me wonder whether they could ever do that. Do you know how excited I would be if that happened, you know, that scene when uh, in the Phantom Menace, when Jar Jar's like, we saw going home, that would be me leaving the theater. Like, there's gotta <laughs> be one more. I can't. Those crazy son of a bitches. They did it. I'm not expecting yeah. it, but man. It would be pretty cool. I, just, I that's that would be my wildest dream right there is that's what I'd want. But yeah, I don't know. As far as I'm I, I'm really like ready for this can't wait i don't necessarily want to be over because i really like these characters especially the new characters and i i have a feeling they'll be back in various forms but no matter what they do but yeah I, it's for me like what it really is is it's the 
end of the beginning of me like how'd i do that again i did it again i don't know (laughs) (laughs) it's the end of the beginning of you oh like for me like the whole like the the disney era of star wars has been like the era of star wars where i've actually had like star wars friends to talk about it with right so I didn't really it's not so much like I didn't know people who liked it. It's more like I just didn't know anybody who was ever going to listen to me talk about it for as long as I felt like talking about it. And it, it was always felt like this thing that I really care very much about. And I didn't have any outlet for that at all. So it's like, yeah, in a way, it's sort of like the not the end of an era in the sense that I won't have friends like that anymore, of course. Hopefully nobody's going to just vanish but that's what's been like such a positive thing for me is it's just like oh there's other people out there who really love this thing i love and that was finally my opportunity to just like meet those people and and it's it's made me enjoy the the series and the story in like a whole different way that i probably never would have otherwise so yeah because you know during the prequel era I tried to get involved in like online Star Wars fandom through message boards and stuff, and I couldn't do it. It never felt like a welcoming place, you know? Yeah, it was probably split between people who hated everything about it and then other people who were like way into it. Yeah, and in in a way that, yeah. You either didn't know enough, you know? Or you weren't old enough, or your collection wasn't big enough. It was very like gatekeepery. At least that's the, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. That's the feeling I got, and like, you know, like I'm, I, I am a little nervous to be honest over about the next couple of years because I do feel like, you know, thankfully we have the TV series. I think that will help a lot, but man, like. Uh, you know, I think there will be some uh, some uh, amount of Star Wars drop off as far as like interacting and and like talking and stuff because we don't have these yearly movies. Like I said, I could be wrong, and with the amount of content they're bringing to Disney Plus, that definitely will help. But you know, it's just uh, it's been a lot of fun. I think this has been by far the most fun I've had as a Star Wars fan has been the sequel trilogy era. And it is just like you said, Rob, it's because of having all these people uh, interact with and like all these different like perspectives on Star Wars that I never thought about. It opened me up to so many different like viewpoints and ways to view Star Wars that frankly have enriched it for me even more than it was before you know yeah that's how i feel all right so we're gonna do a couple of emails i don't think we're gonna have time to get through them all because it's getting a little late but i would like to get to a couple of them we oh my goodness i'm gonna keep (laughs) playing it (laughs) um so first up um let me see here I would like to read an email from our buddy Raymond. Uh, Raymond from Hong Kong. Hey, Halls and Will. 
Raymond from Hong Kong here. As it's been less than nine days, I will I will be able to watch episode nine. We will start showing the movie at the on the eighteenth, five PM local time, days ahead of you guys, LOL. Uh, I would like to know your thoughts on some of the things which concern me a lot and can't stop thinking about as we are able to witness the final chapter of something that lives inside of us for decades. Hard to hide that level of enjoyment as days get closer and closer, but also feel a bit lost. Seems a piece of ourselves will be gone after this. Well, Raymond <coughs> really is lining up well with that uh, last discussion. Sorry if this list is a bit long. You can skip some of them if you need to. I will not spoil a th single thing after the 18th of December, even though the internet spoiled me when re when Mando released in the States while I need to wait until 2021. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I will not take revenge. That's not the Jedi way. <laughs> All right, so we'll go through these. Uh, number one, will we see Anakin? Do you want to see him? Personally, I don't have hope. Maybe just voiceover, but I hate this idea. Too flat and general audiences won't be able to recognize it. Um, if I'm going to be completely honest, I think it's a missed opportunity if you don't see Anakin in some fashion since it's been established that he can appear as a force ghost. You know, like, I know some people aren't fans of the Hayden Christensen force ghost at the end of the special editions or whatever, but... It does seem like if this is supposed to be the movie that ends three trilogies, why don't you take that opportunity? What do you guys think? Yeah, um, I don't think they will, but I, you know, I think it, like you said, I, you have an opportunity to. It'd be because the kid's obsessed with Darth Vader. Yeah, yeah, that that's for me. The whole thing is like if he can show up now. Like, where were you, like, two years That's ago, the dude? Thing. Yeah, yeah. Why haven't you tried to correct this kid till now? And so they have, like, I feel like they, they, I think it would be unwise to do anything you'd have to explain. But if you had some situation where, say, like, you were unlocking something, like, you know, for example, when Ray touches the lightsaber, right, and she hears, you know, Ben Kenobi's voice talking to her, it's like, it's like, it's just a hint. And it, it kind of suggests that under ordinary circumstances, Ben Kenobi could not talk to Ray. Like they don't, they didn't know each other. They have no connection to each other, but this one object kind of acts as like a tuning fork or a lightning rod for certain things. And like something like what that. What they call psychometry like, in Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. I need to play that game. I haven't played it yet. Um, so, yeah, like the idea of like there are things that have like a there are like situations where you could hear the voice of somebody normally you couldn't contact. I think that would be a, like a good opportunity to do it because then you get the voice in there and the people who really are, you know, have been on the journey for the whole, you know, nine films and then some and they really care about this, then they, they get that closure they get, they get to hear a voice and they feel like, okay, you know, he's still out there somewhere. And then, but you also don't have the problem of like, who the hell is that guy? And where has he been? You know, like it's, it, I think that I, I, I would say to Raymond, like, I would be hopeful. Like, I think you're going to get some suggestion that Anakin Skywalker is still out there and still 20 some years old yeah. somehow. 
<laughs> All right. His next one he wants to know about is the Knights of Ren. Uh, I know this is something we wished and dreamt about, and I hope they could shine somehow in the movie. But we have like five or six of them. Not sure if we can have more than uh, a second for each of them. Hope they won't all get wiped out within seconds. Uh, see, that's the thing. By introducing the, like, actually bringing the Knights of Ren forward so late in the game, like, I, once again, like, there's so much to cover in this movie with a limited, you know, runtime. I kind of wonder actually how much Knights of Ren we get. And I almost feel like you put them. I mean, to use a wrestling term, they have to be foils, right? Yes, like that's what I was going to say. I think the end fate of the Knights of Ren are for either Ray or Kylo to fight. And if I had to guess, maybe Kylo? Like I could see, you know, if he turns to the light side, then I don't think that's going to sit well with those dudes, I would imagine. I don't think so. Not well, we don't know either. anything about him, really. Like, they could, yeah. like, he's the, all we know is that he's the master of the Knights of Ren and uh, whatever that means. Like, they could just be dudes who, like, they just, they're really goth and they like to dress the same. It's like, they may have no ideology whatsoever. Like, that's true. That'll be interesting know. to find out, you know? Like, do they have uh, some deeper whatever affiliation? Ren is. Yeah. Yeah. What you know, like they're knights of um, Ren, whatever Ren is. Yeah, whatever Ren is, right? You're taking that as like a title. Yeah, and like, do they have some deeper affiliation with the First Order or the Dark Side or something like that? That's, and I don't know that we will get that verbally explained as much as we will visually, or like it'll be shown to us, you know? Yeah, I f I feel like they're going to be like the. We were lucky we got to see so much of Snoke's Praetorian Guard in The Last Jedi because they could have just been like the Royal Guards in Return of the Jedi where right. you just see them like do nothing. Like they, it's like go away. <laughs> they just walk away. It's like they never you never see them do anything. So like they I mean, I think we'll see them do something, but I feel like almost nothing you can do with them is going to live up to the expectations like they can only disappoint. And so I hope there's enough restraint to just like give us a taste of them. And then like they can be something that shows up in a video game or a comic book or a well, book or something later on. Like, they already have that comic book that starts next week. That's like Kylo and the Knights of Ren. So oh, right, yeah. to me, that's sh the fact that they're doing a comic book that delves into their history and stuff sh is probably yeah, a good sign that there's not yeah. going to be a ton of them in this movie. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Uh, how do you want them to finish with Leia? I wish it could be as emotional as possible. Uh, I think the the fact that we're getting Carrie Fisher in the movie in itself is going to be emotional. Like, I know yeah. I got emotional seeing her in The Last Jedi after she passed. And, like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm torn on the whole how do you handle Leia thing. Because on one hand... Like, we don't know how much footage they have available, how much she's actually going to be in the movie. Like, that's, I can understand how that was such a hard thing, like a hard aspect of this story for them to crack, because I do feel like you have to handle that very delicately. And I, I wouldn't know how to do it. 
Uh, we wouldn't either. Yeah, I mean, luckily nobody's like paying us to figure this out. Yeah, for real. <laughs> we can't do it. Um, I think I remember a long time ago when she died. I was like, thank God I'm not in the having to figure out mm-hmm. how to deal with this in episode nine. Uh, R two and C three PO's fate. I bet you they're safe because once again, these are characters that because their costumes like i feel like r2 i think 3po is biting the dust yeah you i could see why you would think that too because of the trailers and stuff it definitely leans that way so it's definitely possible to me if one of them has to go the one that makes sense is is c3po because anthony it's daniels the one that right yeah. it's the one that requires the character actor's performance um yeah but if they both made it out, I'm totally fine with that because I always like the concept of these two characters sort of taking you through the saga movies. And if I'm not mis- – this is a perfect question for Rob. He knows this kind of stuff. Was it one of the original concepts like that the story of Star Wars was being told by R2-D2? I think, yeah, initially it was probably – it was both of them. And then it, I think more recently it was Uncle George saying like R2's the one who like passes down the knowledge to future generations who record it later. Right. And, and yeah, I, I, but I think that the, the concept was always like R2 and 3PO are there to be the, the, the people who witness the events and they Scribes. don't have to be. Yeah. And I would just say like, they're like, are just a, there's a handful of things that at this point, Star Wars could do that would just break my heart and killing R2, 3PO, Chewbacca or destroying the Millennium Falcon. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Like everything else I could handle, even like the death of like a beloved character. Like if I could handle Luke dying uh, unexpectedly, the last thing in the world I expected to happen in that movie. Like if I can handle that, I can handle the unexpected death of anybody human. (laughs) But uh, but Chewie, who can live forever as long as there's somebody tall enough to, to fill the suit, and R2 and the Falcon, th- there's no reason for them to go anywhere because they can exist forever, and there's no time limit on them. And with 3PO, like, look, Anthony Daniels, love him. He's somebody else can do his voice. He's not even like James Earl Jones, where it's like you can tell. When even the best impersonator can't really do it. Right. There's like a Stephen Stanton guy out there who can do the mannerisms. And that's not because it's an easy thing to do. It's because he has inhabited that character so fully, so completely that you know exactly what 3PO should be doing. Yes. Yeah. But also just like I have a strong connection to that character. Like I, I like in a way that I can't say about any of the other characters like R2, 3PO and Chewie. Like I love those characters. Like, yeah. And uh, to me, it's silly. Like you said, it's silly to get rid of any of those elements because when you do come back and do an episode 10, why would you not want to have the Falcon available to use or Chewie? You could set, uh, you know, episode 10, 50 years later and Chewbacca could still be around. Same thing with the droids and the Falcon. So, yeah, I just think the smart move would be to live the, leave them around. So that actually covers Raymond's next two questions about Chewie and the Falcon. Um, 
then he says, any chance we'll have a different new color of lightsaber? I don't think so. I just don't see where that would fit in. Um, if someone will have a white one down the road because Ahsoka did. I think we will see that in live action. I don't know that it'll be this episode, but I do think you're right. I think we will see that represented in live action. It may not even be soon, but it'll happen yeah. eventually. And just like what? I... Th- I think we'll see okay. the dark saber at some point in live action. Ooh, that would be cool. What color would you get if you got the exact hues of green and blue and mixed them together? The the hues that they use in in the most recent movies. Um, it should get purple. Is that what? No, because bl- purple is blue and red. Um, well, you get teal, I guess. Yeah, like. Maybe that wouldn't be different enough then, yeah. I was kind of thinking, you know, I think eventually another good candidate, because we've seen it in cartoons and stuff, and it's it's pretty cool looking, uh, like a yellow lightsaber, yellow or goldish, um, like the Jedi Temple Guards had in Clone Wars. Yeah, I mean, they're all possibilities. <laughs> I, I wonder whether there's going to be something that they do to whatever whatever Ray has left at the end of this movie that like distinguishes it. So when it shows up again later, it's very clearly that's Ray's lightsaber. That's a good point. Or do you think they keep the Skywalker saber? They could. I mean, that's what I would do, but I'm, I'm a coward. So like I would never we would change just it. keep Excalibur around. All yeah, exactly. Like for me, yeah. like I would just, it would always be that one lightsaber, but I don't know. They could, I think it's, I think that you'll see a different color saber eventually because it's just it's a way of selling stuff. It's just like the cross guard lightsaber. It looks cool and it sells toys. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Honestly, so. watching toys that made us, I can't believe they didn't make a Ray lightsaber. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like, your, like her own unique yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Her I, own yeah. unique marketable. I still can't believe that. Like it seemed like such a given. No brainer. Like even at, especially after they destroy the lights, the the Skywalker saber in, um, episode eight. And I and I'm not hating on the fact that it's back in episode nine because, like you said, you guys mentioned, it's the Star Wars equivalent of Excalibur at this point. Right. And I love that. Like I love, like one of my favorite things in Knights of the Old Republic is when you find. You can find um, Ulick Keldroma's lightsaber. Oh right, yeah, like a like a, a, a relic. What was it? What was it? The what was the comic book series? Uh, Tales, Tales of, the, of the, Jedi. the Jedi. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. There's a lot of stuff from Tales of the Jedi in those games that I didn't realize until I reread those comic books. Yeah, I yeah, I feel like uh, I would not be surprised if it's if at some point in the writing process, it was expected that it, perhaps in the Trevorrow version, like Ray was going to have a double bladed lightsaber. Oh, I mean, and I that's think the point of splitting it and it's just not going to happen because perhaps JJ Abrams just doesn't like it. And so he's like, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you this one scene where mm-hmm. there's like an evil Ray and she's got yep. a, a double one, but that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm mostly glad I don't like I think the double layer lightsaber looks really cool, but I don't like the idea of a hero character having one because it would you'd have to see it a lot. And the more you use it, the more like the more obvious, like the problem, like the practical difficulties of using such a thing would be. Mm -hmm. 
and like you can't block anything with it, nor can you really swing it because you would cut your legs off. <laughs> like if you, you know, so like I think that it's like it, it was something that's like a certain like if you really love that idea, like you would put it in and then it gets taken out. And I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan Johnson wrote that in for a reason. It's just so you'd have a reason to split it up and have a different thing because right. they did the whole thing with establishing your staff and all that. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> it seems like it's just one of those many ideas that was like, maybe we'll do something with this and it ends up not happening. What so maybe they will. Stories in the news about Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams. I think that's stuff that got blown out of proportion. It's all, yeah, it's all it's just bullshit. Fluff. I Fluffy. honestly stayed out of it. Like, uh, I wasn't going to bring it up, but then we started talking about him and I was like, when, maybe you guys know more than I do. When you read the quote that people were clinging to. Which I did. It didn't seem that. that right. Well, when you seemed, read it. seemed taken out of context. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is If you take it out of context and you're someone that just wants to talk shit on Star Wars, it's really easy to turn that into like real clickbaity YouTube shit, you know? But when you read the whole thing, like he goes on to say, like, I'm extremely thankful for what Ryan set up. And I think what he did in The Last Jedi really set us up to do something special in Episode Nine. I'm paraphrasing yeah, like, here. But... You say he was subverting expectations with some sort of diss. Like, I don't yeah. I think that's a use in, you know, that's a storytelling mechanism. No, I think that's exactly what. I think that's why when you heard news about before we saw the last Jedi and all you heard about was how like everybody at Lucasfilm loved this. Yeah. Like not like, not like in a, like a generic kind of like, Oh, we're trying to promote our thing. But everybody's saying like, including JJ Abrams is saying, I love this. I really wish I could make this movie. And it's, I think because when people read that script, it was so different and weird that it got people's attention and people who work with star Wars every day of their lives for like the last 10 years, it got them excited about it again. Yeah. And And I think that's, that's the kind of thing that, that I think it caught them off guard when people did not like having their expectations subverted so thoroughly because they didn't understand what it's like to not be living in the, in making star Wars stories every day of your life. Um, and, uh, I think it's very evident how much they loved what Ryan Johnson was doing that they signed him on for a trilogy before the movie even came out. Right. I think that says a lot. Yeah. What what this is, is like there's a drama in, in the headlines. If you can make it. So it sounds like, Oh, there's a, there's a bad guy in the star Wars world and, and there's people who don't like it. Yeah. And, and the actors didn't like it. And the so-and-so it's like, what you're doing is you're just taking people's honest opinions and, and cutting them up so you can get the most juice out of it. Yeah. You See know. him poison the well. Yep. Yeah, and because you know that there's like you can get clicks if you say anything bad about the Last Jedi, you get clicks because that draws heat from people like you know from people who aren't necessarily even necessary. I am. I don't think it's fair to say that oh, Star Wars fans are awful because I don't think there's any evidence that these haters are fans. Exactly. Like, Thank you. There's no. There's no reason to think that they are. Other than that, they like talk about it all the time. They talk about it, but it's like, well, what would you be talking about otherwise? Because a lot of the same people are all like Captain Marvel's like bullshit. Yep. It's like you're just the you're just a general purpose like dork who 
who talks about dorky <laughs> stuff and you just pick like the most vile uh, way to go about inflammatory I angle. I used to be a Star Wars fan back when in the original Star Wars. Yeah. It's all, well, it's almost never that though because yeah. those people already had their chance. I was one of them, you know? <laughs> like well, I had my period where I was like, I don't think this is for me anymore, but I didn't there was no YouTube where I could go on and like register my disgust throughout the globe. Like I didn't do that because it's like, ah, oh, this is not for me anymore. Like, it, or maybe I don't like this as much as I used to. And it's only when I came back to it where I met people who grew up with that stuff that changed my opinion of it a little bit where I was like, well, I may not like it. This may not be my favorite, but these people are here because it's there. You know, they came in right. because that existed. That drew them in. Can't be upset about that because they're cool people. Right. And it like makes me happy when they're happy because it's like, ah, oh, I'm glad they're getting what they want. Like I, you know, it's so yeah. Like if you're if you, but if you're not a fan and you're just somebody who's like who's seen the movies and tries to make money off of dorks, then by all means, like that's what you're gonna do, right? Like I I think that's what it is. Like I'm sure some of them are real fans, whatever that means. But right, I don't think we have to like just assume they are. Like they're Probably just no trying means. to, yeah. So anyway, Raymond it. has one more uh, thing to say before he signs off, and he says, uh, that's all for now. And may I say a few words through your show here. May the force stay strong with the people in Hong Kong and be safe. Hashtag stand with Hong Kong. To all the listeners of the show, may the force be with you. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Be safe. Be yeah, safe buddy. there in Hong Kong. Yeah. That's um, some real talk right there. Cause... Yeah. We're you know talking extolling the virtues of Disney, but Disney ain't gonna say jack shit about this Mm-mm. because they have a all... vested interest in Shanghai and in Hong Kong, and it's uh, it's uh, the whole Blizzard thing, and then um, who was it right before Blizzard? There was another hong kong incident oh uh the nf uh no uh the nba like nba yeah there's also the milan thing like the actresses in milan had some vaguely disparaging things to say about the hong kong protesters really i did not know that Uh, well like um, look it's (laughs) it's i don't know like i i would just like i i feel like it's it's there's also other stuff going on in china too that's really oh yeah equally awful and like straight up like concentration camp fucking awful and it's it's like it's not getting talked about because muslim re-education camps yeah basically like ripping kids away from their parents and like sticking all like 24 7 daycares but they mm-hmm. teach him like chant songs about how great the motherland is and all that shit like fuck that that's yeah. what i gotta say like i'm sorry like i i i don't support disney to that extent where i think it's okay for them to be silent on this absolutely There's no not. amount of money in the world that you could make that is worth selling your soul and i, I agree I, like i have nothing against like chinese people at all um but that is fucked up in my opinion absolutely I, I don't like I it just, is a simple fact that the chinese government is a human rights violator i mean that's just a fact yeah it's 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 so yeah, like stay strong, stay safe, and 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 uh, yeah, <laughs> keep fighting the good fight. I don't know what to say. Just be careful. Yeah, I don't want to hear that Raymond gets in trouble or anything. Yeah, but, me neither, uh, man. That would break my heart. Um, so guys, I think we're gonna cut it off there. We have some emails we didn't get to, but you know we'll catch up with them next week. Um, and next week I we're gonna have a double Blue Harvest release. 
We're going to have an episode on Wednesday for episode seven of The Mandalorian. And then we're going to have our Rise of uh, Skywalker reaction show. So you guys have two episodes to look forward next week. An exciting week of Star Wars. That's great. Uh, Rob, buddy, before we go, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, how to find your excellent podcast, which, uh, no joke, I'm not just saying this because you're on the show, is without a doubt my favorite video game podcast. I'm flattered. It's not my favorite. <laughs> but, uh, um, uh, it's called Hardcore Gaming 101. It's You can find it wherever fine podcasts are streamed. The whole idea is that uh, people nominate games for us to consider, and then we rank them on a big list of all the other games we've talked about. And it's kind of silly, but uh, Hawes has been on it, and uh, it's it's uh, you know it's a fun time. And I'm on uh, Twitter at uh, at GC9X. All right, guys. Well, uh, if you like our theme song, please be sure to check it out. Uh, it's by Stoned Cobra, and you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at StonedCobra.BandCamp.com. Please leave us a five star iTunes review if you haven't already, and if you'd like to support the podcast you can at patreon.com slash blue harvest podcast where you can hear a wonderful array of bonus material that we provide such as blue harvest adventures with our buddy rob here masters of harvest Cosi with king tom podula rasa with emily lynn steve versus the prequels all kinds of fun stuff and we'll see you guys next week until then this has been blue harvest and i'm halls burkhart and i'm will Witten. may the force be with you May the force be with all of you. May the force be with us.